he said, the Lord wants me to speak to you. And he wants you to know that even though you never knew an earthly father, he will be a better father to you than any earthly father could ever be. She's an American singer and songwriter and is the co-founder and former lead vocalist of the hard rock band Flyleaf. And in February 2016, she became the first solo female to top the Billboard Hard Rock Albums chart with her debut release. None other than Lacey Sturm is with me today. And the funny thing is, I didn't even ask her about her music. (laughs) Here she is. A well-known musician and artist playing all across North America and known all over the world. And I didn't even ask her about her music. But it is probably one of the most interesting and profound conversations I've had in a long time. Because we talk so much on her mystical encounter with God, what that was like and how that changed her why she was an atheist. I didn't understand what that really meant. Why singleness is better. And the Eucharist. As you can see, it was a very varied and random conversation. And we talked about our indigenous brothers and sisters and the need for repentance from not only the church, but from ourselves. So, without further ado, get ready. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with IJM Canada and David Ash, author of Simple Wealth. Now, I'll be sharing more about these inspiring partners later on in the show. But if you want to check out their life-transforming work that they're doing, even while you're listening to this podcast, I won't be offended, I promise. Go to IJM.ca and simplewealthbooks.com slash seeherelove have some music check check right? test one two one two is this any better oh yes oh, that's so great oh that's Thank so you. much better and i'll let her wear the headphones too okay okay this, so this is good yeah that's amazing yeah, awesome. really good thank, thank you, you. <laughs> okay all right all right like yes, I'm on the radio okay. now. Sounds ready. Okay. <laughs> you know, I know I've got mine too. Lacey, I'm like this, trying to be all pro while I'm doing my podcast. So funny. Because I'm used to being in a studio with yeah. cameras around me and being all like done mm-hmm. up. And now they've got me in a in my home studio with, you know, my hair up, no makeup and a you and look, a like moving moving mic. <laughs> you look beautiful. I was oh, thinking. thank you. <laughs> All right, let's get started. So I'll kind of like start up right now. We can hear the story. So, all right, Lacey, it is so great to have you here on See, Here Love and as part of our series called The Summer of Strength. And Lacey, I know that you're definitely going to strengthen us and inspire us in so many areas because what a life you have lived and are living. Hasn't stopped, Lacey, but wow. So- Welcome. And also welcome up to Canada. Have you been up here before? I have been there a few times. Yeah. We, we, okay. What did you, th- what'd you think? Well, it was a beautiful place where I saw, I was by the river. Um, there, I think, I can't remember. I think I was there with Franklin Graham's Rock the River. I yes. Think, up there. Or maybe yeah. it was Rock the Lakes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't remember. He did both. And yeah. um, and then I was there, you know, touring, I think, a couple times. But um, I never, you know, touring is different. And when you, when you do an event, you don't really get to see much. Just the yeah, back true. of the venue. And it's not really, it's not a very good introduction to a place. Maybe I could come visit you sometime. Don't. Yeah, you need to. Did you notice any difference between Canadians and Americans? We always ask that question. I did notice with okay. one particular Canadian um, that I met, I think I may have totally misunderstood him, but I was like, <laughs> it felt, he was, he said something that felt very rude in my opinion. And then somebody said, I, I, I repeated it to somebody. said, like, do you think he was, they said, oh, he's just Canadian. And I'm like, <laughs> And what am I? Maybe I'm just Southern American. I don't know what I am, but I misunderstood. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just giving him the benefit of that. Canadians. That's nice. That's nice of you. And to the guy that said that to Lacey, if you're listening, mm-hmm. it's very. Maybe you need to. It was very sarcastic, but blunt in a way that I just. I was like, okay, well, I guess they're not passive here. That's that's a Southern thing in America. I don't know. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, you definitely have to come back up so we can show you how great Canada is and, <laughs> and the land and the people. Yeah. And the good people. <laughs> we all we all have both sides of the nerve, don't we, somewhere? I know. It's true. It's totally true. So let's I, I want to get to know you. I've been really excited to listen to you and, and hear about your story. And I, I wanna I think I wanna do it by Kind of like your key life messages I've heard you say, and they're and they're based on your books. But maybe let's go talk about like your key messages, but also your life, because I know there's a lot of different parts when you were younger and your home life and and things that yeah. I know a lot of our listeners will really connect with. So this is what I heard from you when I was sort of like doing some research on you, Lacey. The three key messages you've said, and I love them, are you know, this message of encounter, your encounter with God and finding life worth living and what that encounter did and, you know, to you and how that changed your life and purpose. And then I heard your second key message is this, you're this, I love this because it's mine too. This, your redemptive love story, this sort of romance, which is, I love. And then your third key message you mentioned was just sort of bringing your life back to God and pursuing your purpose. Mm-hmm. And again, that's, that's amazing. So those three messages I'd love to kind of unpack with you. Cause I think those, I think I would really learn from them, but I think those are, would really strengthen, you know, our listeners. So let's start with this encounter with God, maybe go backwards to why you needed to encounter God <laughs> and find life worth living. So Maybe take us back to childhood and everything. (laughs) We have five hours, Lacey. We have five. Um, Maybe take us back to your childhood uh, and teen years and then this encounter with God. Well, um, I do realize that my, I call it an encounter with God because, um, which now I'm seeing that we're kind of always encountering God. We Mm. just don't always acknowledge or perceive that that's what's happening. Um, but as a self-proclaimed atheist at the time, um, it was the most, um, it was like the lights turning on when all I ever knew was being in the middle of the night, you know, like the sun's just Mm -hmm. there. (laughs) 
And how jarring it would be if all of a sudden there's a sun in the sky and you were all your life living in the middle of the night, you know? Um, mm. So that's kind of why I would describe it as an encounter that I perceive probably now. I've, I mean, from the time I had this encounter to today, I have... Hey, it's Chris, friend of See, Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See, Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. I have um, been through so many moments of shifting perspective, and that's what, how I wrote my first book was... And this is, if anybody is ever thinking about writing your story, I think one of the coolest, I I, I mean, I was asking God, like, how should I write this? Because there's so many ways to go, Um, like you said, but um, Flyleaf, the band that I was in, was named for the blank page in the front of a book, the blank page at the end of a book, the Flyleaf, the one you write on the dedication page. Um, and it's also also can we call the moment of clarity where a story ends and a story begins. Mm-hmm. And so um, I almost called it the book, the reason, the, the very first one, a passerby's flyleaf moments that got that got vetoed in the end. But a passerby is anyone which I understood in this encounter was that um, I am not an accident. I'm un- intentionally created um, with love and mm. by the artist of artists and that so is every person I encounter. So is every passerby. So in one sense, I'm, I'm of extreme importance. Anybody who in any science who studies DNA, if, if value is, is determined by your, you know, your uniqueness, uh, your one of a kindness, then we are each of utmost value of anything on the planet. And at the same time, because each of us is that same unique value, we are all passerbys in this, you know, on the same level. <laughs> so interesting to me um, because we, we each deserve to give and receive the same honor, you know? Um, yeah. So as an atheist, who believed that life was an accident. I was an accident, not only an accident, but a mistake um, and a burden. Um, My mom was a teen mom. I already had a baby. She was 15. She had my brother, 16 when she had me. Uh, We were 10 months apart. So the counsel was, this is probably not a good time for you to have a child. (laughs) The counsel was... Uh, to have an abortion, you know, um, which I at, at from probably 10 years old and starting to understand the darkness of life became very resentful. Like I did not ask to be born. This life Mm -hmm. is a crazy place. I don't know why anyone would have a child. It sounds like an evil thing to do. (laughs) Like to me, my mentality was if there's no God to protect us and this life is so messed up, why would you do that to somebody? Wow. And so my, and I, and of course I had seen a lot of things, but culminating 
into atheism uh, at 10 years old, which I wouldn't even know to call myself an atheist. But I see that mm-hmm. I, that I remember praying when I was writing the book, asking God, like, when did this start? Because I blamed it on a lot of things, but he helped me to see this kind of, which is so cool that we can have a relationship with God where you can ask him to show me things that you're not sure about that you have colored glasses on. And we all see our past that way. And I saw a lot of horrible, I had trained myself to only see the bad things. And in, and, and I knew particularly with my mom, with my relationship with my mother, and I wasn't going to write a book about bad things about my mother. (laughs) Hi mom. Um, Love you. (laughs) Love you. Thanks for everything. Um, Thanks for life. You know, obviously I just said that part. Um, She didn't take that advice, obviously. Um, Mm. But also she did see, you know, the difficulties that she almost died when I was born. I almost died. And that's probably what they said to her. She had difficulty in the first labor and there was only 10 months between us. And so she risked our lives (laughs) for what we could have both died and why. Um, well, God knows now I'm here and there's a lot of impact she had. She had, you know, lots more, she had four other children after me who I love and are amazing people and me and every, my three kids and everything that I've been able to do. And Mm -hmm. obviously the ripple effect, we don't understand about our own lives. And I don't think we will until we're on the other side and see outside of time, you know? Yeah. Um, going all so, so you're growing up, so 10 years old and you're an atheist, you don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Because I was actually was going to ask you, how did you choose to be an atheist? But now I see that. What was life as a teenager like for you? Like this understanding that you were an accident, you, you know, you saw, you sort of, you said you trained yourself to see the bad. Mm-hmm. What was childhood like in, in family unit and in your own self-esteem and, and and you know your the way that you saw yourself well i as had a young woman i had my own set of val- morals <laughs> that i made up according to what made sense to me in the moment <laughs> i was very much i i would see i see now as more of like a criminal or lawless mindset which was uh, here's an example. Um, it's not wrong to do wrong. It's wrong to get caught. It's, it's wrong. To, it's not wrong to steal. It's wrong. To, it's wrong to leave your stuff out so that it could get stolen. <laughs> if somebody does that, they deserve to get their stuff stolen and I should probably steal it so that I can help them learn something valuable. Um, so that's kind of the mindset that I had. And there's in that, in all kinds of areas, I mean, I, Life made sense without authority that was abusive. I mean, if you didn't go to jail, you probably were buying into the system at some point. So Mm. probably should at least go to jail so you have some credibility at least one time, you know, uh, with anybody that means that, you know, that is awake enough, you know, to the abusive authority. This Mm -hmm. is kind of my mindset. And it went all the way to God. It wasn't just my parents or my mother or my school system or the legal system. It was all the way to God, which I did not consider to exist 
because mm-hmm. how could he exist? And either he doesn't exist or he's evil. <laughs> so, yeah. um, as seeing, um, at 10 years old, seeing, uh, a tragedy happen in a family where my cousin who was three, uh, was beaten to death by a stepfather, um, mm-hmm. really triggered that, um, that language to be able to come forward in my brain. There's no God, you know, um, like I, we're on our own and you never know what will happen. Um, and you can't stop it. So the best you can do is, you know, just try to have as much peace as you can with what's right in front of you, but it's all a, it's all a big, it's, it's all a big tragedy waiting to happen anyway. You know, um, so I, so I love darkness. I love like dark things, dark meaning, um, just negative, (laughs) cynical, um, no hope really. If I, I, I really mocked the idea of hope. I really mocked people who believed in God. I mocked people who tried to live a certain way that, that was inhibiting them from their liberties to do whatever they wanted. (laughs) Um, which is so interesting now that I, I see so, and I still have that value for freedom, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's totally a different perspective because I see those so-called liberties being so much slavery because how can it be liberty if you can't stop? If you, mm. if you don't want to, but you do it anyway, it's like, mm. what do I really want? Um, and getting down to the core of who we are is, I don't know how we can actually do that without the light of God turning on um, and actually seeing, wait, I want, I, I actually don't want these things. Like this actually is the, what I've always wanted was what I find in the, in the light of God, the love of God. Mm, it's powerful. That's powerful. So, Lacey, you're in your teen years. It, you're attracted to sort of these dark things. Mm-hmm. And what what happened? So, in that time, teenage years, how, how old were you when you did that encounter with God? 16. So, 16. Okay. So, you're, you're in that mindset. Mm-hmm. And at 16 you encounter God. How did that happen? Yeah. And what then happened? Well, this is what I wrote. I wrote in the book. Um, the, the first book is just, um, that how I ended up, you know, as an atheist, you don't have, you don't have any accountability for why you're alive <laughs> without God. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe your fellow humans, which might give you some accountability, but if they are not trustworthy people or you don't get along, where do you go from there? Um, if they break your heart, if they turn out to, you know, be false in any way, what do you, what do you, what ground do you have to stand on? So I had thought about dying since my cousin's death at 10. I had thought about Mm -hmm. dying all the time. Like why is he dead and I'm still alive? And how can any, you know, so I planned, uh, I thought about dying all the time and I planned to commit suicide for a while, but I actually definitely knew that that choice had been made 
um, the day before I had this encounter with God, I knew that that was the choice I'd made. I know that that was my destiny was I was going to die. Um, I was going to take my life Mm. and, um, which is so amazing because I know people who have successfully ended their lives. Um, and outside of this encounter, it would seem like the most horrific, random, chaotic thing, life and death. And, um, but I also know my own story and many other stories of people who have planned to take their lives or attempted and it, or even succeeded and come back. Um, Mm. I know people who have had near death experiences in that. I know people who have not succeeded, who have plans have been interrupted. And, um, and to think that, that there actually is a purpose in every day being a gift. And even when we want to throw the gift away, the gift giver is still has some, (laughs) some influence there. With- that's that's actually really great. I love that the gift. I never thought of it, Lisa, as the gift. Like I know we say the gift of life, but it is a gift mm-hmm. that we want to. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that. That's really powerful. And then the gift giver, giver of life. <laughs> huh. It's good. It's good. It, it's beautiful. That was that was mm-hmm. what I understood um, in that encounter. The most important, the most shocking thing was this is a gift. I remember think I remember that being shocking. A very intentional gift, and there is a gift giver. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, encountering God was it for those who don't know the story? Was it at a church? Was it in nature? Was it walking <laughs> down the street? Or what was what well, was well? What was the encounter? Well, it wasn't in any of those things. It was in the spirit realm, but it was through a man in a church building. As I was walking out, <laughs> trying to leave the building. Um, and yes, I think that's what happened in that moment was I was, it's, it's hard to explain a spiritual experience, um, but it was, it was very tangible, very real, very, very much more than any other experience. And I do understand now that this is a unique experience. When I first had this experience, I thought every Christian had this experience when they became (laughs) Christians. And I was so confused as why the, the way people lived that were Christians, because I didn't realize not everybody had the experience that I did. I thought that's what it meant to encounter God or to become a Christian or to, I thought they all had the same thing. Well, they didn't. I, I do realize it was very unique. And most people that have an experience like I had died and came back. I did, I did have this mm-hmm. experience without dying. As far as I know, I don't know what God does with time. He could have like went through time and I don't know what he does. Maybe I did die. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, I think Paul says that in the scripture too. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know I was in, in, in the presence of God. I was in the, in, I was face to face with God and it, I, you know, the way that God, God is light. <laughs> He's light. He's not. And what you, what I saw immediately was myself in the most self-conscious 
terrified way you could you could you could perceive yourself. I saw my life flash before my eyes. I saw everything from when I was little all the way to that day. I saw the way that I had and it's hard to talk about because I know I know the I know the love of God now. And before I missed it. And so to talk about the my life with such ungratefulness is hard because I I see how it's one of the most horrible things we can do. It it, it colors every good thing that he gives us um mm-hmm. when we see when we don't see it as a gift, when we don't see it through his love, everything becomes torture or torment when really it's meant to teach us love, to teach us how strong we are, to teach us how strong he is when he is with us and inside of us and like living Mm -hmm. through us and that we're created to be a temple for the God of the universe to love through. (laughs) That's a crazy idea. (laughs) Totally crazy. When you say it, you're going, whoa, that's that's huge. Whoa is the right response. (laughs) People don't say that. They don't, they're not in awe. Because they don't mm. actually, and a lot of people have just heard about this. And the, I think the biggest reason why we either don't believe or move on is because we don't really, we haven't seen this. We don't, we, we, we see people who talk about God and live a normal life. They talk about God's supposed to be in your body. And then you just live this life like everybody who like, well, if God's in your body, why are you talking to me like that? Is that what God's like? Maybe you don't believe. I guess, the, you know, the God who created yeah. the cosmos, he talked to people like that. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like it does. It should transform you and it will. Mm. <laughs> but I, I do realize the gift that I was given in this encounter. I don't know why, except that I was I was on my way to die. And this man who knew God really well who's now with the Lord in heaven. He recently went this last year. We lost mm-hmm. so many people last year. Um, I call, I call, I called him Poppy. Um, he, wow. he, um, knew God really well. He knew when God was speaking to him, he knew how to respond to the voice of God. He knew how to risk and be in risk embarrassment. He was a white headed man who'd been doing it for many, 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 many years and was totally comfortable coming up to me. This don't touch me. Teenage girl with purple hair, like who hated Christians and was about to walk out the door. And he, he said, the Lord wants me to speak to you. And he wants you to know that even though you never knew an earthly father, he will be a better father to you than any earthly father could ever be. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's emotional, actually. Like, see, that just made me tear. <laughs> those are beautiful. Those, I know, oh, that's just it's so emotional. Like that. Yeah, there's so many elements on that. That's that's beautiful. Well, and right on, right? Like, it, it, let me interrupt because you know what? Yes, please. <laughs> I talk too much. I wonder. No, no, no. But I wonder. Like, I love stories when I hear somebody comes up and says a word. Because I wonder how many times God is pushing us and moving us to go speak a word and we don't because we're fearful. Well, they don't know me. What if they think I'm an idiot? What if they'll laugh at me? What Mm -hmm. if whatever? But then you think, how many times have we all missed opportunities to, to literally change a person's trajectory if we had just said, 
of truth and lo- and a, a love truth of God to that person at that time. And I'm not saying it's like a shame on me, shame on you. I'm not trying to be that, but I'm saying no, it's it go. always it's reminds me it's for it. myself that I need to be attuned and listening, but also have the courage to step forward and say to a, a young Lacey that word. Right? You know what I'm saying? Even if you Absolutely. don't even know if it makes sense, Absolutely. you still go and say it. And That's why I had to interrupt because I think those are – that makes me – even for you, I mean, the story of you and transformation with that, but that moment of him going up, I that always makes me emotional. Absolutely. Those, those moments. It, mm-hmm. What if they think you're crazy? What if you, their life is saved, like from suicide, which is what happened right. to me? And, and this should be the weight we carry – it should be, shouldn't be a weight at all because the fear is a vapor. It's a vapor mm-hmm. of like, what, what is that fear? What is it actually, when you feel like God wants you to tell somebody that they're worth something and you feel really mm-hmm. specific, there's a way to do it. That's not as embarrassing, but even if it was embarrassing, like, what are you risking? Yeah. Who cares? Okay. Well, exactly. they, they, did, they laughed at me. It's like, I still know who I am. It doesn't <laughs> impact me. Maybe for a moment, I'm a little embarrassed, but who cares? <laughs> and then the thing, you know, you can ask them, you know, I mean, to say, like, I, I have an overwhelming sense about you that feels so filled with love. And I just want to say, you know, I feel like maybe God wants to tell you he loves you and that even though you never knew an earthly father, maybe that he's a better father. Does that make sense to you? You know, like you could even, he could even said it like that. I would have been like, I'd have been like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, (laughs) or maybe I'd have been like, who are you? Why do you know my life? (laughs) Are you like a stalker? What have you been doing? That's exactly what I thought when he said that. Well, I didn't think about stalking, but I thought, I thought a million excuses, which is another thing we should think about when we hear God speaking, the, Mm -hmm. the excuse is to explain it away. This happens with healing all the time. I'll pray God help, you know, my son be feel better or and then all of a sudden everything's better and I totally act like it never even happened like maybe he wasn't really sick or maybe he didn't really have a headache (laughs) maybe I just ate the right thing or needed some water or some sleep all these things I can say when really oh wait I did pray maybe that was God answering my prayer in a really just loving kind little way Mm. and I know we have issues with all kinds of things but when I first became a Christian when I first had this encounter, I went to a church where this was common. People risked to to speak what God was saying. They risked to pray for healing, even though it might not happen. They risked, mm-hmm. you know, people saying, you know, being hurt over not getting healed, even though we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And they did it mm-hmm. all the time. And what we saw in this church was healing all the time. There was a guy wow. who was healed. His name is Dino Irby. He's still alive. He was healed of full-blown AIDS. And it wow. was it was the first, and, the, and he had a whole thing. He was like 75 pounds and this totally was totally healed, <laughs> which is insane. Oh, I remember yeah. just being shocked at that story as a teenager who was an atheist that didn't believe. And I'm reading a Bible now and going, well, does this really happen? Well, it does at this place. Maybe it doesn't happen everywhere, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing it happen now. And I can't, and I can, exp- I'm 40 now. I'm going to be 40 this year. 
And I can Wow, ex- big year. <laughs> yeah. I Yay! made it to 40. Four, oh. I made it here. I yeah, think, it's amazing. It's amazing. I think about that every birthday. I'm like, whoa. It, I didn't think I'd make it past 16. And here I am still talking about this moment that I still, I still, it feels like you step right back in when you're telling somebody mm-hmm. the story to that reality of that spiritual reality stays more than anything else. But you can also explain away ex- when you get caught up in this rat race of life and what people think and what, you know, I mean, your, your perspective becomes totally temporal and you can totally explain things away and you can totally Mm -hmm. get caught up again in the temporal. But when you're, as soon as you get caught up in that eternal perspective, it's outside of time. It's outside of the physicality. It's in the spirit, you know? And then all of a sudden the truth is, is right there, right there. Like, no, this, this really happened. This it's, I don't know. <laughs> Crazy. Was it, Lacey, was it instantaneous? Because a lot of people, this is a good question for you, because some people are like, we encountered God and there was a change immediately. And for some, it takes a while, right? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like just, most. I've, I've been interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people for many years and, and every encounter with God or decision to follow Jesus has looked different. Yeah. Some it's been like, boom, immediate and everything changed in life. And some it was a choice and still there had to be the work and and things weren't, didn't change so quickly. Hi, this is Becca, the associate producer of See Here Love, interrupting this great conversation to let you know that there are more shows and great content and blogs at seeherelove.com and our YouTube channel. Content to help you and give you tools as you care for your mental health, relationships, being single, being married, family issues, your self-confidence. We're here for you to help you find joy and small wins in your everyday as we lean into relationship with Jesus and intentional community. So check us out at seeherelove.com. And if you want to help us keep making this kind of content, you can donate to us at seeherelove.com slash donate. And really, to keep Melinda and I working and with jobs, donate. And finally, if you found this episode inspiring, please take a moment to share it with someone who would enjoy it and to rate and review our podcast. It really helps. Now back to Melinda to tell you what our amazing partners are up to. I am so excited to announce our partnership with International Justice Mission Canada. And over the next 10 years, IJM Canada has a vision to rescue millions out of slavery, to protect half a billion from going into slavery, and to bring justice to all who are marginalized and oppressed. Wow. So stay tuned to hear more about our incredible partnership and go to IJM.ca so you can learn how to become a freedom partner today. Well, ancient Christianity teaches that we are saved when we encounter Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus died for the sins of the world. We are being saved. Our soul actually needs to go through the transformation that all the way into eternity and beyond. We continue to learn even outside of our bodies, apparently. In ancient Christianity, they believe that. And we will be saved. Our bodies will be saved and resurrected. That's the thing is there's, there's, so when we look at the moments of salvation, um, the moments of shift, the moments of repentance, which I think is, is a word, mm-hmm. uh, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, changing the way you think. It's like you're shifting your 
the way you see. You know, it's not, I'm so sad about what I did. And yes, there's that can come, but that's not what it means. It doesn't mean um, that you are just feeling like crap about yourself. That's not what repentance is. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the salvation moment when something is lifted up from where it was closer to where you're, you're meant to be closer mm-hmm. to who God is and, and wants you to be as his child. Right. So yes, there was this crazy, I can never deny that there's a God. I can say, why would you do that? Because I, I, I saw him in a unique way. Like a lot of mm-hmm. people don't see him. I definitely had this experience that I could never deny. Um, but there was things about who, who I thought he was that changed, um, as I walked out my, you know, my life, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, as I walked out, what does it look like to be alive still after I see God (laughs) and still interact with people who don't have that experience and still interact with the world around me. And that is, that is not convinced, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, and see what is God doing there and, like I said, you get caught up in the temporal. You can totally get caught up in the temporal, which I think I confused soul and spirit a lot. Um, I made an idol of soul things like emotions. Um, emotions were an idol to me. I, I thought emotions was because my experience with God was so, I would have thought it was emotional. Um, it was filled with peace and joy and love, which actually aren't emotional things. It's actually, um, spiritual things, um, beyond your emotions. So whenever my emotions, they can kind of masquerade as those things, um, like happiness and joy are different, right? Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable, but doesn't mean necessarily have peace. Um, so when I realized that when I started going off the rails, I think the first thing that challenged me was one of the first romantic relationships I had after I became a Christian. I had a lot of assumptions about what Christian guys were. Um, I thought they all were this. I thought, I just thought Christian meant everybody was like these good people. <laughs> Sorry, that meant <laughs> I've been around. <laughs> yes, and I, I have to laugh. Me I'm too. like, oh, yeah. Only people knew. Anyway, go on. <laughs> it's very confusing to me when, yes. um, yeah, when it was much the same as the other people, and um, I didn't really know how to navigate that. Um, so I, I remember the first time that I pretended to be upset in order to not offend somebody who was upset. Um, he was mad about his car breaking down and I was literally laughing at him. <laughs> I, I was like, I cannot laugh at this person while they are so angry. It would just be rude. And I was like, I remember this little word. I remember this moment. I go, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Like that was the sentence. I totally made it up. I thought he was being hilarious and pitching a fit like a three-year-old. And I was like, because in my mind, I'm like, well, let's see what God's going to do. Yeah. 
Because I'm like, this is an adventure with God. He, he knows the cars broke down. What is he going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just my fresh, I just met God. He's in charge of all things. Yeah. There's nothing to worry about or fear. And he's like so mad. And I'm like, that sucks. And, and then I just remember that became real. <laughs> After a while, I just mm-hmm. became where I was like, this does suck. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not as as trusting as I was before, and I slowly slipped away into more temporary perspective, and then it became this constant tug of war of like, what did I do? Where did I go? You know, how did I? How am I forgetting about the sovereignty of God, the goodness, and the mm. protection? Because I lost, I lost. The most shocking thing was I lost the ability to fear after I had that encounter. I, I was never afraid. My mom thought I was an idiot. Wow. I was, I was like, I was like, I'm going to go sleep in the back of the truck because it's pretty outside. <laughs> She's like, that's stupid. <laughs> you could get mugged and da, da, da. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, God's going to take care of me. She's like, God gave you a brain. <laughs> um, and, but I was not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. I also lost the ability to be embarrassed because I recognized oh, that wow. only God's opinion mattered. And he saw everything anyway. I was totally he saw all my life, all the worst things. And he, and when I, in that moment, when he saw my life and all the things I was the most ashamed of, he never looked away. He never was shocked. Mm, he, yeah. he was watching me. And I realize this now in the garden, God did not look away from Adam. Adam hid from God. It was not God that turned away from Adam's sin. <laughs> it was Adam that saw himself in the light of God and go, I'm naked. You know, and that's when I had this encounter, I realized God sees it all and he is looking at us with love, not in a way that we, but if all was exposed and in the light and you can be okay with that because, you know, you wept over the right things and you rejoiced over the right things because the light's Mm -hmm. on and he's perfect goodness and you can take refuge there. I just felt so, so I lost the ability to be embarrassed, to be afraid and, um, there's one other thing I forget <laughs> to be embarrassed, to be afraid, to be offended. Mm. I, I recognized every time somebody would come to attack me, I would just feel like their heart's hurting, <laughs> you know, like the, their yeah, heart's broken. Yeah. All of that was gone. No fear, no embarrassment, no offense. And it took a while for me to relearn offense and fear and shame. <laughs> But I was taught it by the Christians <laughs> around me in order to assimilate. <laughs> but God wouldn't allow me to do it too much, um, which is interesting. My journey with church has never been consistent. I have not ever joined a church. I was on tour for a very long time. Um, I, I'm not that I. I always intended to do whatever God would want me to do, whether that's join a church. It just never happened. <laughs> Yeah. And so I, I think I was spared a lot of the church drama. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting perspective. Actually, we we're just talking about that. My husband and I, just before I came on this, because we were talking about there were 751 unmarked graves of indigenous native children that were uncovered today in a residential school. And wow. in Canada, we are really struggling and I am, I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite emotional. I was actually crying a bit before I came on with you because we, I love our indigenous brothers and sisters. 
And the, the the horrific ways they have been treated in our history of Canada has been heartbreaking. And one of the biggest institution, aside from government, that has really honestly hurt them has been the church. Absolutely. And we are still waiting for an apology from the church on how they've treated our indigenous people. And there hasn't been one yet. And I was saying to my husband, I completely understand why people will not engage, why they think the church is harmful because it, it was harmful. And I think they not acknowledging. Anyway, I say that and, and I'm still reeling from it because it's uh, for the past couple of weeks here, Lacey, they, they keep uncovering unmarked graves of children that were killed in the residential schools. I don't know if you know about our residential schools. They took yes. indigenous children, yes. right? And they put them in the school and said, become Canadian, become Christian. Yes. Kill and, the Indian, save the man. It started in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So we've had, and there's, and now there's hundreds of residential schools that now with these un- findings, they're uncovering at every school. They're going to be uncovering probably more and more graves of innocent children. And it's just, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Like my heart and, you know, my responsibility as somebody in Christian media to speak up, to be an ally, to support, to stand up for truth and reconciliation and demand justice. And part of it is the church. Like we literally are saying the church needs to respond and needs to come clean, needs to apologize. And they're not. Anyway, I just, I don't want to be on a rant on it. I just, it's really hurtful and just it it's just it just saddens me and it's amazing that you're talking about this because this is what i've been studying for the past three years i've reconnected with my father's side of the family who is native cherokee really my my grandmother my dad's grandmother was full brother full-blooded cherokee and she was i've just now been able to talk to my aunt and there's many stories about this and i've i've heard a few but all of the graves are in Cape Girardeau, where, where the Cherokee Trail Tears go uh, through right there, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And um, and I've and I've been able to we were not able to claim our native heritage because my grandmother's family was killed and she was adopted by a white family and raised as a white person. And um, and it was, she was 14, I believe, when she was married. So who knows what even the marriage was, but they've been through. It's interesting that the spiritual side of the Native people um, is the same even if you get away from the culture because the biggest issues with Native youth is suicide. And that's obviously what I struggled with. And um, addiction, alcoholism, which is my brother is struggling to overcome as well, who is my full blood brother, same native heritage. And it's amazing that you're talking about this because this is exactly what God has put his finger on in my heart. And when you say things like the church has never repented, and that's what we feel like when you see some kind of billboard for whatever the church is, but in our hearts, I I mean, I'll tell you a a quick story, which I've never told because I'm, I haven't felt ready to talk about this yet, but, um, I'm still sorting out exactly what it means. But my, 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 my husband's 
grandmother passed away. She was Catholic and she was a beautiful woman, prayed that we would become Catholic, whatever. Um, I, I, uh, went to her funeral at the Catholic church and I felt like there was something really important that I needed to hear from God in that place. And the morning of her funeral, I heard him say, which is something word you mentioned, which I think is God, by the way, I think he's, he's speaking through you. It feels very random when he speaks. It feels like you're getting off topic, but it's actually on topic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very prophetic for me. But he said, um, um, I was like, Lord, what, what do I pray as I go into this with his family? She was 90. She was in her 90s. She was 98. Um and she died peacefully, you know, and I, I was like, well, what do I pray, you know, at this time? And he said, pray for reconciliation of my family. And I was like, so you mean Josh's family? Like they're all going to get together and there's like things that need to be reconciled. He said, no, my family. And he was Ooh. talking about the bride. And, um, and that was a few years ago when this hit me. And so he said, I want you to, so, and when I went in there, I felt the Holy spirit. I felt the presence of God. Um, I had so much judgments against Catholics that I didn't even realize until I was in the building all the time. And I had a million questions and God answered so many of them to the point where I was saying, okay, fine. I'll stop judging, but don't talk to me about this anymore. It's making me uncomfortable. Because maybe they're right about some things <laughs> and I don't want to admit any of that. And so one of the things that really was hard to get my, get past was Protestants don't believe in the physical presence of the body and blood of Jesus in the communion. It's a, it's a symbol. It's not really the body and blood of Jesus. Duh. You know, I'm thinking, of course, it's a piece of bread. It's wine. You know, um, it's a symbol, you know, but then. I realized for 1,500 years, the church believed this. And even Luther, who started the Protestant Reformation, would never say that the real presence of Jesus' body and blood wasn't in the communion. He said it was. And it was, it was humanism. It was, it was, it was like a, an advance towards humanism and, and uh, materialism that actually pushed that, not even a Christian voice, that it w- was just a symbol. And so this was really difficult for me. And I'm like, God, did you really give us some crazy gift of mystical? Like your body turns into this bread, turns into this body. I'm like, I keep thinking about this. It won't leave me alone. And, and I'm like, if it's true, how could we ever put that in our mouth? <laughs> and if it's true, how could we ever not? Cause you gave it to us. I'm like, ah, and it was really bothering me. Mm-hmm. And so I wept on the way home from a daily mass, which I started going to daily mass just to sit and pray as a quiet time. Cause it happens before my kids wake up and they read the Bible every day and I would read the Bible. Then they would say it. And it was really helpful having my third kid who, and it just helped me stay in the Bible. It's what it really did. And give me a quiet moment with God. And, um, but here I was drove home that day before and just wept over this concept that maybe his body and blood is really in the Eucharist. And that's a thing. And I wept and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Ah, and I was crying all the way home. Help Lord. And the next day I went to the communion and I'm going to look at this way different, right? I have my eyes different when they take communion. 
And I'm waiting for this moment. And the priest comes in and he says, okay, because of COVID, we're going to withhold the cup. (laughs) I was like, what? You think you're going to get a disease from the blood of Jesus? And I was like, besides that, I came from a healing background. I'm like, I looked around. I was like, is somebody going to stand up and protest? And beside me, I'm looking for this protest. And this lady's going, "Mm mm-hmm, they're going to withhold that cup. You better. It's about time. I was like, what the heck is this place? I I was shocked. And I asked the Lord, I was like, this is my schism, Lord. This is where I'm leaving this church and never coming back because they don't believe what they say. I was like, I'm never coming back here. I was like, how do we stay one? And this is what the Lord said. Okay. Repent of unbelief and stay. I was like, me? What do I want, Bible? He says, every time you're worried, every time you start yelling in, in anger because you don't trust me and you don't believe what I've told you, every time you don't do what I've asked you to do because you, you're not sure, every time you fear, you're in unbelief. You repent of your unbelief and you stay. And I realize, you know, the seeds of wow. the seeds of that apple tree don't look anything like an apple tree they don't even look like an apple (laughs) you know what i mean like the seed i'm like it's just this thing really fear is is blaspheming the blood of jesus (laughs) and he's like you repent and recognize what you harbor and you stay and as soon as i started weeping over my own unbelief i had compassion over their unbelief and i was able to sit through it even though before i was appalled And what the Lord was showing me about unity and reconciliation is that we have to recognize there's no us in them. And I'm a native, but I'm also a Christian. I'm a, I'm a person who's calling for repentance in the church and I am the church. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, besides that, I've seen groups of people, Catholics who it started with the Spanish inquisition where the Catholics started what race is before that there was no race there was tribes and people and countries and nations but there's no race and i and i was on a phone call with coretta scott king who was on a wow she was with uh, several of the people talking about race and one of my leaders starts praying lord help with the race uh reconciliation she said excuse me she interrupted she said there is no race there is one race it's the human race that's it Wow. She corrected him. And who else can correct somebody but Coretta Scott King? No one. Yeah, exactly. I was saying no one else can do that. (laughs) So, yes, there has been horrible things in the name of the church. There's been horrible things in the name of Jesus. There's been horrible things in the name of women. There's been horrible things in the name of all kinds of things. And just because that doesn't mean we go us and them. Right? Mm -hmm. So if the church needs to repent yes we can pray for whoever those faces are that need that to to bring that word and we should but first we need to recognize we are the church i am the church i am the indigenous person i need i am the german my family has german descent i am the jew i'm a christian because i'm you know believe jesus is a jewish messiah i am i am i am in me both and i need to repent and i need to forgive both. And I need to do that with you. And I need to do that with, you know, every person, every time that schism happens in my heart, 
Unity and reconciliation is about repentance, taking the plank out of our own eye, right? And and weeping in unity, you know, with them and over our own sin. I'm sorry, that was a long story. <laughs> no, that's so good. No, Lacey, that's so good. And, and I think it's something we need to hear. I think it's, yeah, I think, I mean, we've had lots of conversations about the church, all different sides. Right. And I think that's a good word that, you know, we are, we are part of it. I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Wow. I've been on boards of churches. I've built churches. I have left churches. I've started churches. Mm. I, you know, I'm in great communities of people who follow Jesus and in conversations with people who are deconstructing and people who've come back and not come back. Like it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so God's doing I think that's things. a, yeah, I think it's a good word. I think it is, you know, it, it, it all has to start with us. And I think it's, um, I think that's a really good, yeah, it's good for me to process that too, just because, you know, we have been really in, in see her love. We've been really strong on, you know, standing with our, you know, black brothers and sisters here in Canada um, mm-hmm. because of the rise of Asian racism because of COVID that it has impacted me and my Asian sisters, especially we've been confronting that. And we've also been standing very strongly with our indigenous sisters as well. And I think that's just the heart. I think that just comes from my own experience of growing up in Canada as a brown Filipino woman. Mm-hmm who is a strong leader and communicator mm-hmm. and also add on adopted. And that's, an, you know, I've shared that story a lot um, in my own story, but just all those things that I've had to really wrestle with and work hard um, to have my voice heard because of those things that, that people tried to keep me back because of those things, because yes. of my gender, because yeah. of my ethnicity, because yeah. of my abilities and passion. So but you're I, I you're so reminder. strong too. My goodness, all the things that God has done through your life and you being able to be such a strong, clear voice is so beautiful. Thanks, Lacey. No, I appreciate that. Really honored to know you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I want to talk about, you know, I think one of the things, especially because our audience is so strongly female. And, and and that 25 to sort of 45 year age group, like we're kind of in that millennial, a little bit of Gen X. And I love that you talk about your redemptive love story because everybody wants the love story, but I think a redemptive love story about your own life, you're now married with kids, God's love for you. Because I think we need to be reminded of that. I think for a lot of women and men, uh, the love part of our lives isn't always easy. <laughs> yes. and, and a lot of my single girlfriends, it seems elusive and frustrating and challenging. And for me being, a div- again, another thing I forgot to add, at least I'm divorced. My husband left me in the middle of ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm now remarried in a blended family. Mm-hmm. So kind of finding love again and, and in that stage, you know, I would have never thought redemptive love story when I was in the middle of my divorce, mm. right? Like it was, so I wow. think just your thoughts on, on that, because I think mm. a lot of people need hope mm-hmm. in love Yes, because it seems like it's hard and difficult and disappointing and hurtful. Yes. And I think we need to be reminded that it it's not, and it, it can be redemptive. 
Well, there's a lot of hurt that comes from, let's say, the church, <laughs> from teachings um, that try to turn Jesus's words into the Torah that brought so much, so much death, right? I mean, like, yeah. what does Paul say about that? I don't remember, but, um, but something like, you know, this, this kind of thing that he was trying to abolish the whole point of, of Jesus's words was he doesn't want us to be ripped apart. He wants us to be whole. And the whole point of this is that he, he wants us to be loved and love well, you know, the whole point of it. Mm. And it's supposed to represent his love for us that never stops. And that's the point of it. If it misrepresents his love for us, that whether it's because you're divorced or because your marriage is already divorced <laughs> before you're divorced, mm. whether it's you're not married at all and, and, um, you have, you have, um, you're trying to be in covenant without covenant and it's not sticking and, you know, whatever, like it doesn't look like God, the way God loves us. And so we're supposed to represent that, you know, and that's why he's so strong about it. And that's why the church is trying to, to make it really like so-called strong. But again, Jesus always gets to the roots. He's like, let's find out, you know, first of all, where does, where you have to be, how do you become whole? Is it through some other person or is it through knowing your creator and being able to be a gift to the person that I'm going to bring you into covenant with as a prophecy of my love for you and your love for me, mm. you know? Um, so like, with my relationship, I was, I again had all the church teachings. Um, there's some things that I wish I could share so that I could encourage people who've been through the same things, but, um, I won't because I want to honor what God's doing in my ex-husband's life. And I, and I've forgiven him. And I think that a lot of times in the church, we don't see the other side of the story, which I've been totally rebuked. Um, by God from judging some divorced person that was famous, um, that they never mentioned the, the sins of their spouse. They never mentioned that that was not, and they just let themselves get totally thrown under the bus because, and they, they were totally martyred in a sense for, for the, the horrible things that happened to them and they were content to let God be their judge. And I ended up finding out some of those details of the marriage through weird situation and just being totally wowed at how righteous this divorced person was, mm. <laughs> you know, this remarried divorced person was so just willing to cover this, their spouse's sins by not, bringing them out. And I had judged them, you know, along with the rest of the population. And I was like, whoa, there's so much more righteous than, than I am. Um, I don't know if I could have done that. Um, I had a small scale of something like that, but I, I was rebuked by that situation to make sure I realized my own stuff. <laughs> and, 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 and even in that we can come away 
feeling like the church doesn't talk about real things. There are certain things that we talk about publicly and there are certain things that are a face-to-face conversation you have with your mom. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that relationship with our moms always. It's true. You know? True. That's what romance is like a lot of times. It's that face-to-face intimacy. I mean, it is is about intimacy. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I have been challenged um, publicly by people who are talking about romance in all spectrums mm-hmm. and judged and blatantly lied about. Um, and I believe that much of that is a face-to-face conversation with an individual because we don't know where somebody's coming from, but the beauty of it is that God does. He redeems us. He heals us. Mm-hmm. He sets us right if we honestly go to him and be like, God, I don't know. Literally, like, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something really intimate right now (laughs) because I feel like it's important. But there's, you know, when I'm in an intimate place with my husband, I pray to ask God, what is this about? (laughs) What does this mean? God, teach me. Teach me right now in this intimate place where you see everything. What does this mean? What is this supposed to be? And and that's the most um, amazing like understanding is that God sees it all anyway. Where we're screwed up, where we're mm-hmm. we're doing wrong, where you know a lot of times in Protestant Christianity we teach each, we teach people that sex is like um, the height of marriage. And, um, that that's like the glue and that that's the thing that, you know, makes a man happy. It's literally people are saying this and poor men are like, well, I guess I'm supposed to love sex all the time and I'm supposed to be da, 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 da. And not realizing that they're so much more than, than that. There's way, you know, more to a man and society and the Protestant church seems to be trying to convince him constantly that that's like, why if you cut that off you know you don't have any person anymore you're not even yourself you need to prove your manhood by loving these things i mean if you think about like jacob and esau and how jacob liked to cook and sew and be close to the house like and esau was like the hunter and like it it, there's different kinds of men in the world (laughs) and not everybody's called to that kind of a life jesus said it plain as day not everyone's called to that life. There's people that are called to be single. I wish that was me, not because I don't love my husband or my children, but because I feel like it's beautifully radical and it's awesome. <laughs> and that, okay. That's so good. And that, and every single person is putting what you just said on rewind, right? Because I, th- and I think that's a good point. I, you know, and over and over again throughout our shows over the years, I brought in people who keep reminding that actually singleness allows a different freedom, a different experiences that, you know, we never want singles to think that they are like the other and missing out because they're not married. And I think over and over again, you know, trying to be a voice in, in our culture and even within the church culture, because the church seems to always be geared towards married people and families. And like 50% of our churches are single. It's like, you know, care for us, support us, speak to us, share Mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. And so... 
I agree. I think, you know, that there's a lot of opportunities for singles and that, you know, in married couples like myself now, how we can best support them and encourage them and include them within our own families and support. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's really, really good. Would you, I mean, I know, again, you love your husband and kids, but would, (laughs) why do you say about being single? Cause I kind of, I'm trying to see if my husband's there, (laughs) (laughs) but why would you say that? Cause there's more, and I'm going to say freedom in that way, but why would you, why would you well, say that? Paul says it's an exalted place. He yeah. says it's better. Yeah. And, and he's talking about it from a deep spiritual perspective. And yeah. I had this encounter with God that made me never want to leave that place. If, mm. You know, if people, if you look at, if you do research about people who've gone to heaven and come back, they are always really mad about it. They don't want to be here. They'd rather be there. They're not afraid mm. of death. Um, this is what happened to me. I, lost that exaltation of romance in that moment. Romance wasn't even holding me together. I was dating a girl at the time I became a Christian. I had been in a relationship with a guy before that was, I thought was true love and was broken by that. And I was, um, in a happy relationship with a girl as far as that can go, I guess, but Mm -hmm. it was not keeping me satisfied with life. Cause I wanted to end my life and, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I knew. Romance was not going to be the thing that was going to fix me. And so I, that was one of the things that I was corrected in that moment is like, there is something that actually fixes that crazy longing and it's God and you're not going to find it outside of him. And I was like, I never want to leave you. I never want to leave this so place. And so Paul says that when we're single, we have this freedom to be totally his in a way that when we're married, we're a little divided. <laughs> divided. I was going to say it's divided. You've now got kids. Yes. You've got a husband. And that's a who new... Likes, who likes, you have a husband who likes sex. <laughs> I like sex too. <laughs> All the time. I know. But I mean, and then you've got that. Then you got the kids. Which I'm praying for. <laughs> and you <through>. got yourself. <laughs> yeah, but it is a gift, you know, and it is a unique yeah. calling that's just unique to this life. In heaven, it's not going to be there. So on earth as it is in heaven, singleness is heavenly. It can be that way. You can give yourself to like, man, I would be all over the world. I'd be like on every mission field. I'd be like helping all the orphans. I'd be like, you know, and that's yeah. what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of my three very, in, you know, intimately. I'm, I'm, I'm being, learning how to be a better human being with learning love with my spouse. I, I love him because I'm in covenant and I'm intentionally loving. And then I fall in love accidentally in the middle of it all the time. But I'm Mm. also like, we're learning what love looks like. And it's more than feelings and it's way more than feelings. It's like, but the feelings will wave and come and it's like, Whoa, that felt great. I I just love you accidentally today and I'm crying about it, <laughs> but I'm loving you intentionally still too. I know you like the, you know, when I sweep the kitchen floor, which I do not care about at all, but I'm doing it because I love you. And I know you like this. <laughs> it's like, and he's washing the dishes, which he doesn't care about. And yeah, I'm like, yay, exactly. the dishes are clean. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You love me. So stupid. <laughs> no, I get it. I totally get it. No, that's good. I love that. And it's so great to hear, like when we started the conversation, here you are, 16, focus on darkness, pretty dark, atheist. And just to hear you, Lacey, now, I want to finish off with this because 
there, there may be somebody who's really struggling, right? Mm -hmm. Life maybe is thinking of ending their own life, uh, maybe cannot see beyond their current circumstances that are really tough. Yeah. In, in, in a lot of ways, in their marriage, in their future, yeah, financial, I mean, with COVID, loss of jobs. I mean, there's so much stress and loss. Yeah. What would your encouragement be to be to someone today uh, that's just really struggling, really having a hard time? Well, I recently lost somebody that was very, she called me mom. She isn't my daughter. Mm. Um, but she was, um, she had a hard time figuring out how to be happy in this life or how to hang on to the joy of the Lord and how to keep her eyes on him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we had, when you don't know how to be loved, it's just as important to be loved. Learn, you have to learn to be loved. You color everything, every good thing that God does or anybody else does in a way that will keep you from receiving the things that are right there in front of you. And so she did that with us, me and my husband, she lived with us for a year and a half. And she was like, there was times when it was, she was so able to receive. And there was times when no matter what she didn't, she couldn't believe and she didn't understand and she misunderstood. And we misunderstood a lot of things because of that too, from her. And, um, whenever we lost her, um, I remember this moment of needing to forgive her. And um, I didn't understand that I needed to forgive because I didn't have any bad feelings. <laughs> um, but a friend of mine brought that up and I said it when I, whenever I, I was like, of course. And I said it out loud, a miracle happened in my memories. And it really is a real miracle that happens in Christ. His blood blots out what we forgive. It really is a real experience. It's like watching the re the real of your life and you only see the things that were awesome. And even the bad things become this, this beautiful moment of laughter. And so that happened in that moment. I saw a reel in my head of all the memories and I could only think of good things. And I was able to forgive and afterwards, I remember, and I heard about this person, um, you know, when I heard about their death, this person's death, I remember thinking, why did you bring that person into my life if you knew you were going to take them? I was so mad at God. I was like, "You, why do you want to hurt me this way? Like, why would you bring them here? And I remember a million prayers and I could write a whole book about this. And I think I need to, even if I'm the only one that reads it, so I can organize all the revelation of this. But she taught me to love in the end because I didn't realize I didn't feel love. I didn't, I intentionally didn't allow myself to feel because I had abused my emotions and my feelings so much that I would just... I would just choose love, you know, I would choose love and I felt happiness and joy, but I didn't feel, I didn't allow myself to feel even for my children because I was, if I lost them, I was prepared, you know, if anything were to happen. 
And so in this moment, I remember the forgiveness, the miracle of the memories. And I remember asking God that question, why would you bring her into my life? So beautiful to get to love her. And he answered some questions like that I'd been asking about freedom and suicide. Why would you give us freedom if we would be able to end our lives with our freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like this moment where he says to myself, he says to me, people are worth loving no matter the choices they make. And you mm-hmm. see it now. And I was like, oh, I started crying and I was like, I started feeling love. I started feeling it in that moment. I remember I, I was, it was very late at night. I was in the middle of the night. Sometimes I can't get, go to sleep. I'll get up. I'll go talk to God. I got in my bed. And my son was in my bed and my husband, my two-year-old was in there. (laughs) And my husband reached over and he touched my arm and I felt his love shoot through me. And I knew I could feel it no matter what choices he made. And then my little two-year-old wrapped his arm around my neck and I felt that love for the first time. Like, wow, I love you. Even if no matter the choices you make, I'm going to love you. I have a moment to love you and I get to do it and I'm going to do it no matter what. And I just want to say, God loves you that way. And he wants us to love like he does, because it's the most amazing adventure to get to love people. Lacey, so good. Thank you, Lord. So good. You know, I never asked you about your music, but I think we're, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all about what I've been talking about, you know. I know. No, actually, you know, what's interesting, (laughs) I was, right as we were ending, I was like, oh, oh, right. You know, she's an amazing musician and artist. Didn't, but here's the thing. I think this conversation was greatly needed for me and for, for this time. I think what you said was it was strong and it was honest, but it was, it was needed. And thank you. Thank you for your voice. I, I'm so glad that I finally got to meet you. Like, you know, it's one thing to kind of like research you and look you up on Google and YouTube, but it's, you know, and kind of like know about you that way, but to actually get to know your heart and your love of Jesus and people and, and just your perspective has been just incredible. <laughs> it's really, it really has been. It's really um, his perspective that I'm learning every day. And it's the most beautiful thing. And I am i can't believe, like, when you t- just said that, I was just thinking about all I'm sitting here telling you is how screwed up I've been and how good God's been. <laughs> but isn't that, isn't that the beauty? How like, lost we're I all am. screwed up in ways, right? And that's the, the most... That's... Jesus. Like, you know, I I think as much as, you know, yes, the church is messed up and so many people have just done bad things. I mean, I always look to Jesus and, you know, I can't, you know, one of the greatest things um, I was talking to podcast and author Jen Hatmaker um, a while back and she goes, you know, the most annoying part of Jesus is that I couldn't leave him. He kept clinging. He kept clinging to me. Thank you. I could not. She goes, I tried. I tried to run away. She goes, I tried to get rid of him. But no, Jesus clung to me and stayed with me and and kept on me. And I'm still with him. And I remember thinking that just with Jen. I'm like, that's because I could visually see it. And then I started laughing, trying to visualize Jesus, like clinging on to us. Like, and we're like, and he's still there. But it was a good picture just because 
that's how much he loves and is for us, that he stays with us and sees us and is for us. Like, it's just, it's beautiful. And I just see that Mm -hmm. in your life. Like, even just in a little that we've talked, it's, you know, he's been with you and gives you the creativity and the honesty and the voice to speak. Because, listen, a lot of people aren't speaking like you um, (laughs) that are in sort of Christian, quote unquote, celebrity world. Like, let's just be honest. And it's so refreshing, Lacey. It's so refreshing to hear your perspective. So keep going. Well, Write you know, that book I'm, on prayers. I'm not, I'm not um, speaking really. I mean, this is one no, of the I know, first interviews I've share. had. I'm learning. This is really? what I feel like. Okay. I've been in a learning season and I feel like God is giving me little opportunities like this one to say what I've been learning, which has been really hard because... I'm still learning so much. I don't feel like I can say <laughs> say anything, but I'm I'm glad to have a conversation with you anyway about it about all these things. You're beautiful, and your questions are beautiful, and your mm-hmm. your pursuit is beautiful. And I'm so thankful to get to see your light, and thankful for what you're doing. That you're not giving up. You keep going because I'm I, I like that I can hibernate, and God has a whole world out there of lights. <laughs> <It's using. laughs> Oh, so that's what I'm going to say now, Lisa. You gave me some words. I'll be like, hey, folks, I'm just hibernating. There's other people out there that can do it. We need hibernating. Yes. I know. Lacey, there are days, you know, and you're running this show and all the other parts to it. There are days where I'm just like, oh, but, you know, when I when I hear, you know, people like you and I think it's just encouraging. I think women and, and in all the difficulty, it hasn't been an easy life. Like I say that to a lot of people, they see me now, but all the rest of my life and all you know, the, the poor choices I made, the prodigal years, my my struggle with God, my dependence on men and mm-hmm. adoration and mm-hmm. applause that drove me into some, you know, not great spaces, mm-hmm. you know, and then my own depression and my own mental health struggles and then my divorce and like all these things. And I think I, I actually love when you said, you know, when you look back at the real, even the hard things you can kind of laugh about, because it's true. The hard things I know look at is a different, it's a totally different perspective. I actually see the redemption of them versus when I was in the midst of it, feeling abandoned mm-hmm. and feeling low. I remember it, but what I remember more clearly is how God brought me through, how community helped me, how I was able to really, you know, be strengthened and come out stronger than ever before. So it, it does, when you look back, it does change, right? When you look at your life real. Yes. So his perspective yeah, was is good. so much better. So I know. Good. It's so good. And it's forever. <laughs> I know. Yay. That's the forever one. So here's, so here's to you turning 40 this year. Woo! We celebrate you. Woo! And we are excited for you. Happy pre-birthday. Thank you. I hope you have a fun party with all the people you love. Okay. So, and just thanks. Thanks so much for being with me on the show. And hopefully if you come up to Canada, we'll have to, we'll have to do a hangout. Yes, we have to. Okay. That was Sounds a great, great conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Lacey. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Well, these past 18 months have been so hard on many aspects of our lives, whether it's mental health, relationships, addictions, or finances. We all have areas that need strengthening right now. I know because I've heard this from so many of you and it's impacted my family and even myself. And so that's why we chose this as the theme for our summer series, SOS, Summer of Strength. 
And that's also why I'm so excited that we're teaming up with David Ash and his Simple Wealth book to help strengthen a critical part of our lives that we don't always like to talk about or even know what to do with. David has a remarkable story of going from bankruptcy at 28 to building a significant wealth that allows him to have the time and resources to invest in the things of Jesus, loving all people, and pursuing things his family feels called to. Well, David wrote Simple Wealth for his own adult kids to pass on everything he's learned about the importance of building wealth in a way that is simple and accessible. Now, you can read this book in a weekend, and it has the power to strengthen your financial future for good with very simple principles. Check out simplewealth.com slash love to get your copy of Simple Wealth today. Did you know there are more people in slavery right now than at any point in history? I didn't know that. These people deserve freedom, and I believe that none of us are truly free until all of us are free. The world needs freedom partners, and I believe that Canada can be a leader in standing up for freedom, for the safety and equality of the most vulnerable. And so that's why I chose to partner with IJM Canada to invite Canadians like yourself to join with IJM to help bring hope and freedom to people living in fear oppression, and slavery. IJM is on a mission to see 500 million people protected from violence by 2030, and we need your help. Will you join us as a freedom partner? Well, please go to IJM.ca to find out how you can help today. Hey, it's Becca. As we close this conversation, what I love about Lacey's story and all of the stories we've heard so far is how they show the diversity of the church and the myriad miraculous ways that God rescues each of us. And it is a challenge to me actually to hear what Lacey said about how many Christians live as if we are not really transformed by what Jesus did for us. Do I live as if it means something to me? I think I'm going to need to find a Christian counselor, a pastor, or a mentor and unpack all of the things that we're learning here. Back to you, Melinda. Thanks, Becca. Yes, I have a lot of takeaways from this conversation with Lacey. And I think one of the things is uh, what a force. And I love when people kind of process as they are speaking as you as you heard in the conversation there was a lot of things she she had said I've never said this before <laughs> I've never told anybody about this before and it felt like an intimate girlfriend conversation which I really appreciated but I think some of the learnings you know for some people she mentioned about that she trained herself to see the bad things to see the negative things in life and I wonder just how many of us and there are moments in my life where I always tend to see the negative and not the good And I think that was just a good reminder about, you know, take a pause and and reframe and look at the world, not in a way of not addressing the injustices and the bad, but but choosing also to see the good and the hopefulness. And in her case and in my case, uh, the hope that we have found in a personal relationship with Jesus. I think there were a lot of. Things that I just took away, uh, just this redemptive love story that God is for you and is relentless and and loves you and doesn't leave you. I think uh, it just this encounter with God can be different for for people. 
but there is a change that happens when we get to know him more and who he is. And I loved her thoughts on singleness <laughs> and fascinating about the Eucharist. Now, the thing with this conversation, you can agree or disagree with Lacey. Uh, but one thing we can agree on is that she is open and honest. And that's refreshing in a time when too many people front and manage image and manage what they say and speak. So thank you, Lacey. I uh, loved our conversation. And I really do hope you do come up to Canada and we can go out on a patio and hang out. So I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And always remember, in our Summer of Series of Strength. No, it's our series. Oh, my goodness. Our SOS Summer of Strength series. <laughs> to be strong, to be brave, and to know that God is for you and with you always. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.